Welcome back fellow imperfectionists to another episode of Picking at Perfection. Today I have the real pleasure of welcoming Judith Quinn, founder of Your Whole Voice. Judith is a multi-award winning vocal confidence specialist and voice vibration sound healer. Whether in your profession or personal life, whether your challenge is having difficult conversations, saying no, speaking up for yourself, delivering presentations or public speaking, Judith works with your voice from the inside out. She combines acting, coaching and mindset skills with voice vibration sound work to help you release your restrictions. When you can express yourself with clarity, confidence and conviction, no matter the situation, you not only liberate your voice, but you liberate your life. Judith is also an international public speaker, author and member of the Association of Transformational Leaders of Europe. Wow. And the insights that she has for us today are just amazing. I'd already seen Judith speak at an event and um, I still learned so much on top of this from speaking to her today. So many amazing tips for public speaking, of course, but also talking about social judgment, communication. And she gives us some amazing insight into the science behind your voice and its vibration. She is an absolute advocate of not being a people pleaser and fully taking control of situations and not suffering needlessly. She provides wonderful insight into negativity bias as well, and also how the amygdala plays a part in so much of our fear. I know you will really love this episode. Now, on with the show. Thank you so much for being my guest today. It's an absolute delight and a pleasure. So thank you for inviting me. My pleasure, my pleasure. And um, to kick us off, as always, as the podcast is about sort of breaking down barriers between society and perfection and how to choose purpose over perfection, I'd love to hear your kind of definition of perfection and your experience with that expectation. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, of course. I'll just give a language (laughs) warning. (laughs) Aiming for perfection is just a whole load of bollocks. Like, there is no such thing as perfection. There is your individual perception of perfection or society's, a part of society's perception of perfection. It doesn't exist. And striving for it is such a waste of time. Amen. <laughs> Completely agree. It's yes, we can we can work towards being the best version of us that we can be. And you know, someone might go, "Oh, no, that's rubbish," because there is perfection. If you you know, all the top athletes they're going for perfection, but they're always also beating each other records get broken all the time so that that's striving so I'm not saying you know give up and don't you know bother working hard but it's about your version of what is perfect for you what is the perfect way for you to live your life what is the perfect way for you to show up in this situation and in that situation and in the other situation because actually those situations will all have different kinds of perfect Mm, I love that. That's why I say striving for perfection as a thing is just a waste of time because you're you're going to end up striving probably for someone else's version of what you think they think perfect is. It's completely subjective based on the individual and also the situation. I think we we always talk about perception along with perfection with the the podcast, but I don't think anyone's brought the situation into it. And I think that's a really good observation it completely depends um and things are ever changing like you say about athletes beating there's always going to be a new record for things set to beat so it's it's an ever-changing goalpost Mm. and and that's the thing and then one of the things i say in the talks that i give about confidence is confidence is situational and subjective so again there we have it it's it's just another way to support that argument yes definitely no I completely agree at that because someone can feel at home on stage but a perfect example is what we're doing now you know an interview in person is very different to an interview online and Mm -hmm. and someone's level of comfortability yeah 
So I want to start sort of the, the main content of the episode with uh, actually how we met and sort of my main takeaway from that session. So after seeing you speak, something that really resided with me and I've very much taken forward is that you said that all speaking is public speaking. And that's because in life we are representing ourselves to everyone we speak to pretty much on a daily basis. Was that kind of realisation, was it early in your life that you came across that? And can you tell us a bit more about the journey and experience with that? So discovering that wasn't necessarily early in life. It was thankfully fairly early on in my vocal confidence coaching business. And it was, I think, after the first workshop that I ran. So, or was it? Might even have been before that first workshop. I can't remember. It was early on in running my business because I realized it was, it was my second client. Ah, there we go. The light bulb comes in. So my first client was because uh, a massage client of mine, I used to be a massage therapist, said to me, oh, Judith, you're an actress and and you do that stuff with sound. And I know we're going to talk about the sound healing and uh, sound vibration work later. But most people don't understand. Do you know anyone who could help my husband? He's got to give us speech on a specific point of law to 80 uh, lawyers and he hates public speaking so my first client was a public speaking coaching client and I put that out there and other clients who subscribe to my newsletter like oh I didn't know you did that and one of them she had to have a challenging conversation she runs her own business and she was having to make some people redundant and she was having to make changes and she had a London office a New York office and a Hong Kong office. And she was having to have a, it wasn't, I don't think Zoom was around then because we're talking about 10 years ago. Um, but she had to have a, uh, what did they call it? A conference call meeting, that was it. And be speaking to all the offices at the same time. And she was saying, oh, you know, and I've got, and that's when I realized, oh, it's not just about public speaking any situation in which you are expressing a thought, an idea, an opinion, a belief, a feeling that you have internally, as soon as you express that, you're making that private thing public. And so that was that was the moment that I realized, ah, oh, this work that I'm doing is gonna be helping a lot more people than people who want to stand on stage and give speeches or stand up at work and give a presentation because actually all speaking is public speaking. And that's when I then remembered, of course, because I remembered the first time a a boyfriend told me that he loved me. He was terrified because of course he was taking his inner feelings and expressing them, sharing them, making them public. And he didn't know how I was gonna respond. So that was a public speaking situation, if you like. So that's, that's how that, came about and has become one of the cornerstones of who I am and what I do in my work. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing. I love that it was a sort of client that helped you realise that as well. And I think it's sort of, um, we like to pigeonhole things in terms of labelling them as society. And I think public speaking is almost one of them because it's, it's more kind of communication skills, isn't it? Because every, like we're just saying, every situation you're representing yourself to another individual, you're, you're putting yourself out there and whether we like it or not, someone else is going to make a judgment of that. And we want to try as much as possible to, to represent ourselves in the right way. Yeah. And in the right way for that situation and for us. And, and that's the key. And it's, and every situation comes with its different challenges. You know, you mentioned judgment there. That is the number one thing that people are actually afraid of. It's mm. not It's not the speaking that people are afraid of. And people spend so much time on trying to create the perfect speech and trying to you know, stand there and deliver it perfectly. Whereas actually it's like, well, look at, look at what you want to create as a result of what you're saying start from there rather than trying to get it perfect Mm, I love that that's brilliant and um yeah it's public speaking is just one of those things that is is feared I think there's a statistic floating around somewhere that it is literally feared by most people almost more than death um and I can totally relate to that because as soon as someone says can you get up on stage? I, I think you know my background, but I work in events. So a stage is something I see often, but very much from the back of the room rather than standing on it. So flipping that for me, which is something I, I want to do and I'm working towards doing, 
but I used to tremble with fear if they were like can you just um make an announcement even if it wasn't standing on stage I'd be like oh god because it's that comfort zone isn't it you're stepping outside of it and it's a a new environment that you're not necessarily used to and the fear is you know what if I do it wrong Mm -hmm. in those circumstances what if people don't like my voice and then that fear of what if I do it wrong or what if people don't like my voice well then I have to do it perfectly for and again I think I probably said this in my talk uh, when you heard me speak because I say it a lot but I might not have done that the, the fear is I have to say this so that everyone in the room hears me I have to say this so that everyone in the room understands I have to say this so everyone in the room likes me and there's the pressure to be perfect but and I'm asking this to the audience. So audience, I'm asking you this direct question. Do you like or agree with everyone who you have ever met or everyone who you have ever heard speak? I know your answer is no, (laughs) (laughs) because we don't all like or agree with everyone who we've heard speak. Everyone has different opinions. There are some people's voices who you love and other people's voices who just make your hackles rise. So you don't like or agree with everyone who you've ever met or heard speak. So why the hell should everyone like and agree with you? If you can can really let go of that needing everyone in the room to agree with you or to like you, then that's a massive step towards letting go of perfect. It's um, it's it, to me that kind of resides with the sort of people pleasing culture that we have, you know, coming of saying yes to everything and, um, you know, not saying no or, or pushing back on anything. And what you were saying there really, um, it kind of reminds me a bit of the is it the chimp mindset management book? I don't know if you've read it by Steve Peters, where he talks about the kind of tribe mindset of wanting to completely fit in with the tribe because evolution would have said that if we didn't fit in with the tribe, we'd be out on our own. Well. Uh, most of us can support ourselves now hopefully without uh, such a large tribe so I think that's really profound thank you for sharing yeah no it is it's very much and I, I didn't know that there was a book about it but I use that analogy a lot in my trainings and working with people and and that's where it comes from it's it's the subconscious fear of if I get thrown out of the tribe I won't survive the winter on my own yeah I can't kill a woolly mammoth on my own I can't I the saber-toothed tiger has got much more chance of getting me and that's where the fear comes from. But yeah, we don't even live in small villages or small towns anymore where everyone's going to be judging us. And the uh, so many of my clients have perpetual people pleasing in their pattern. And a lot of it is when we get rid of those patterns, it's amazing the transformation that can happen. Amazing, amazing. Well, um, building on that sort of um, theme of representation there, I I took a lovely quote from your website, and that was that your voice is a reflection of every experience or emotion you have ever had, witnessed or imagined, which is beautiful. Um, I I love that quote. And it was front and centre as well on your on your site. For someone then maybe who is not keen on their past, perhaps um, in some of their decisions or the way that they've represented themselves and myself 100% included in this, I can often come across as defensive or aggressive, but it's usually because I'm so passionate about what I'm talking about. How can they sort of start to change that reflection and, and representation? So there are loads of different ways. Self-awareness is number one. Like just being aware of your patterns, being aware of when you get defensive, being aware of hearing the changes in your tone of voice. And as soon as you catch it, being able to stop and take a breath and then we, okay, change your mindset. And what am I, I don't want this to be. What's my intention? The intention behind what you have to say is key always. Because your voice is a reflection of every experience from conception right how happy your mother was when she was pregnant with you is going to impact the amount of tension that you carried with you as a baby so in because our voice is a reflection of our tension our voice is made from muscles and if we're carrying a lot of tension that is reflected in our voice 
But remember, it's, an, it's a reflection of every experience or emotion that you have ever had, witnessed, or imagined. So you can focus on the good shit too. <laughs> we don't have, and, and again, human nature is uh, our chimp mind is looking out for what's dangerous. Mm. We're looking out for what might get us kicked out of the tribe. But remember, if you've got a pure intention behind what you're saying, if you have, uh, I talk on the higher purpose and bang on about it all the time. So if you're coming from a deepest truth, something that you know is unfallibly true to you, whatever that is, connected to a higher purpose. So you are speaking definitely for the good of all people or for the good of those who you are speaking to create a positive impact. Or if you are taking the time before you go and speak to remember something fabulous or lovely or that you thoroughly enjoyed or that brings you a sense of ease and calm, your voice will reflect that too. So it's about remembering, yes, the reason that so much of the challenges with speaking is because we're so focused on what might be dangerous mm -hmm. to us. So therefore is fear filled. And that comes from pain. That comes from hurt. That comes from isolation. That comes from anger. It comes from frustration. All of those emotions create tension in the body, physical tension in the body, which is then reflected as physical tension in the voice. But you can also choose to remember the good stuff. And that will be reflected in your voice too. I love that. And I love that imagine. Do you know what? I hadn't quite fully picked up the word imagined there, but it's sort of almost like manifestation. So if you imagine the, the thing going well, they say that, don't they? Picture yourself delivering an amazing speech and you know it will slowly get there. Um, and talking when you mentioned about music there. It's funny, I, before this episode, um, I kind of did like a little warm up to myself, I guess, for, for a sort of podcast. I've never really done it before, but I was very conscious of the fact that I was doing a podcast about public speaking with a public speaking coach. And I was like, maybe I should make some extra efforts. <laughs> so I put a little, because normally I would sit and kind of, I would put in air quotes, prepare, but really what I was actually be doing is worrying about it sitting sort of checking my notes checking my sound and instead of doing that today I was like right I'm going to um, test my sound and I put some music on in the background some sort of like happy Eurovision songs if I'm being very transparent Yay, just fantastic <laughs> exactly to just sort of amp yourself up and get yourself in in that mood and I, I feel the impact from it today I feel very positive and and good and hopefully that's coming across in my voice mm. and, and this is the magic because we can imagine anything. I worked with a guy who was in an asset management company. I was, his company hired me in to work with several people. And I worked some of my magic with him and we were doing some, so I was like, what, what are you afraid of? I'm afraid of appearing foolish. I'm like, okay. So normally with clients, this is because of something that happened at some point, normally from the age of six to 14, normally at school but he had nothing that had ever gone wrong or nothing that had made him feel foolish nothing and I realized I went oh so you're just imagining it what if something did happen what if I dropped all my notes and lost my place what if I so the fear for him was all imagined and that's when that phrase really kicked in for me of ah this is this is where the challenges are so it's it's super powerful and putting yourself in the right energetic state mm. before you speak and that it doesn't have to be an hour-long practice it can be 30 seconds it can be five minutes 30 seconds it doesn't matter but just shifting your state then shifts how you come across and how you sound Mm. I mean, the mind is just a crazy, powerful thing. And I think that sometimes goes sort of unacknowledged in today's society because I don't know, maybe not swept under the carpet, but I don't think about it daily, but actually it, it really is. Um, and there again, another sort of statistic that flows around, like, is it 80% of what you worry about never comes to fruition? So you're just wasting your time worrying about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm a big worrier. I'm such a stress head. Um, but yeah, it's something I try and let go of for sure. 
which is a big part of the fear of not just public speaking. I work a lot. I have a whole method that I've created for people to be able to have challenging conversations. Mm. Because again, I was working with a client who'd been stressed for so long about a situation at work. It was impacting his relationship. He was starting to think about resigning, even though he was good at his job and liked his job. There was all this stuff. And I said, so what's happened when you've spoken to your manager about this? Oh, I haven't spoken to him about it. Like, seriously? (laughs) But because the fears of what might happen if I have this conversation, I might be seen as a troublemaker. I might be seen as weak. I might be sacked. I might be ignored. And that makes it real. And all of these mites, which meant that for 10 months, he'd been so stressed and was starting to think about the whole hassle of resigning and finding a new job and then the stress of interviews and da 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 da. Mm. So I created this process by working through him and we got to the nub of what the real problem was. He went and had the conversation with his manager and it was like within literally a week, he was that manager's right-hand man. Uh, Another problem that he was having came up in a team meeting and then seven out of the nine people in that team meeting all said, oh, my God, yeah, we're having that same problem with that person. So then that got sorted out and that person got the extra support and training that they needed. Like Because one person spoke up, but the fear of what might, the worry of what might. And again, always focusing on the what might negative, not the, well, actually, what might positive. Mm-hmm. And that's what I you know, invite you all to think about is the worst that can happen is that you'll actually know where you stand. So whether that is having a challenging conversation, work orientated or personal relationship. Yeah. So, you know, at work, the worst that can happen is probably that you'll get fired and lose your job, but surely that's better than suffering for a year in uncertainty and the stress and the anxiety and the everything else that that puts in your life, because then you know where you stand, you know, Oh, okay. I'm going to lose my job. So now I can positively work towards something else. So all of it, this is why all speaking is public speaking. That's a really nice way of thinking because it almost, when you say the, the outcome or know, knowing where you stand, it kind of turns it into, that just makes it one option rather than it could be negative, it could be positive. I, I think that's a really nice way of thinking of it. And yeah, it definitely would rather reduce the stress and just maybe get a new job <laughs> in that kind of situation. <laughs> And something you said there about um, negative perceptions and, and worrying about the, the negative things happening really resides with me from a, a past episode as well. So with um, careers coach Charlotte Crabtree, we talked about this concept of humans having a, a negativity bias. So we'd use an example of me of a couple of times sort of unmuting in a meeting, putting an idea forward and maybe nine out of those 10 times it would be well received but one out of the 10, you know, someone would have been like, no, I don't agree. And it, it tends to be the one negative that you remember. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you find that in your clients as well? And does that kind of have an impact on speaking ability with that bias? A hundred percent. That is, it's the fear of negative judgment is the number one actual fear. You're not afraid of speaking. You're afraid of negatively being judged. And that could be, I was giving a talk a couple of years ago to a a networking group and it was in person (laughs) and there was a guy at the back of the room on his phone the whole time. Now I could have focused on him and just gone, oh, he's on his phone. He's ignoring me. He doesn't, he doesn't agree with what I'm saying. Oh my goodness. Then that means everyone else is just being polite. But we, so we take that, and again, it is that it's the amygdala doing its job at the back of our brain, going, oh, oh no, there's one person who doesn't like me. I don't fit in. Oh, if one person doesn't like me in the tribe, the whole tribe's going to kick me out. And that's what actually stops people from even raising their hand in a team meeting. Because again, the well, once I said something and someone didn't agree. So what if that happens again? And then that it perpetuates in a cycle of what ifs that end up in never sharing ideas and then getting frustrated that you get overlooked for promotion or that you, if you're self-employed, that you don't go to networking events because once someone said, oh, that's a load of nonsense, I don't agree with that. 
So yes, we and because we're looking out for what might harm us. Mm-hmm. Because fear is big and noisy and loud and hurts. And the love, the acceptance, the other people in the room who are going, oh, yeah, this is quite interesting. Well, that doesn't harm us, so that's okay. It's safe. So we tend to ignore it. Much the same as someone pays you a compliment. And if you are at your best, you might do what one should do, which is just say thank you. <laughs> what most people tend to do is brush it off and go, oh, well, da, 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 da. Oh, no, it's an old really thing. Yeah. Or um, someone say, oh, well, they had to say that. You know, they were being nice. No one has to be nice. No one has to say. So we'll ignore every single compliment we've ever had. But one comment about something that we perceive as negative and boom. Oh, okay. I can never, I can never wear that dress again. I can never have my hair in that style again. I can't wear whatever it is or uh, admit that I like Eurovision songs. <laughs> I'll keep it in. I won't edit it out. I, I don't fear judgment for that. <laughs> Loud and proud Eurovision fan here. <laughs> but and that's the thing. So yes, we we all have a negative bias, and that is the biggest problem with public speaking, with self-expression, is the fear of judgment. There's three things people are afraid of. It's the fear of judgment, the fear of the unknown, and the fear of being seen. So that and that works in a couple of ways, both people turning to look at you, because especially in a live room, when you speak, people turn to look at you. And on you know, uh, online meetings these days, you, that's only evidenced by the number of people who go in with their videos turned off. And the fear of being seen as a fraud, as an imposter, the, the fear that people will see through you and will see your fears, your vulnerabilities. So those are actually what people are afraid of. The speaking is not what you're afraid of. Mm. And isn't it funny that kind of, for me, seeing someone's vulnerability actually makes me kind of like them more. It's kind of like, you know, what we said about breaking down barriers and not that I want to see people vulnerable. That kind of sounds weird, but like you can kind of relate to them because they're not this kind of perfect, solid kind of statuesque person. I don't really want to see that. I want to see something that's real that that I can relate to. So it's funny that we try and hide the most genuine thing about ourselves, isn't it? Yes. And there is a very famous TED talk on this by Brene Brene Brown, which is um, vulnerability is strength. And it is so true. And even and especially in leaders. And I mean, at the moment, I think we've got a great example in the way that we have not been led through this whole pandemic with any vulnerability, with any sense of, if our prime minister had once said, I don't know, I can't tell you what's gonna happen because I don't know, but this is where we're at. If there had been that level of vulnerability, Mm -hmm. that would be a lot better than whatever rubbish we've been spouted at. There's like a pressure to be strong, isn't there? Yeah, um, yeah it's kind of contradictory. To be perfect, that. Right? Mm. to be in, invulnerable. Which is quite the opposite of what humans are. It's it, it just borderline, very unrealistic. It's quite, quite insane. So um, moving more into what I'd call like a, a prepared speech then rather than mm. sort of daily speaking. Uh, and you talked about this earlier as well, actually, but a, a big thing for me when I speak in a setting where something's been prepared, you know, like might be presentation, sales pitch, that kind of thing, is remembering everything I have to say. In other words, making it perfect sort of word for word. What would you kind of say to someone who is worried about that and everything they about worried about everything they say being perfect? You're not an actor. Full stop. They are the only people who have to be off script, word perfect. And even then, half the time, as a, a professional actor, um, half the time, you know, we're, we're on stage either messing about with the script because you've been on tour so long that you're just trying to keep it interesting, um, or things go wrong all the time. But the other people don't, the people you're speaking to in your prepared speech, they're not sat there with the speech. Mm. They don't know if you've missed a couple of words or even a paragraph. So again, putting the pressure on yourself 
to be what we call in the acting world DLP, which is dead letter perfect, putting the pressure on yourself to be DLP is pointless. Because, you know, the only people who have that pressure are actors when you're doing a Shakespeare or an Oscar Wilde or a Tennessee Williams and there's three schools in the audience all there with their with their copies of it following you. <laughs> so don't put that pressure on yourself is what I would say. Know where you are going. Have bullet points, have key elements. If there are some specific phrases that need to be dead letter perfect, then learn them. If there are statistics, you know, if possible, have a slide and put the statistics on the, on the slide and have the statistics on a handout and give them. Make your life easier. Make your life as easy as possible. Because yes, it's important that we get those presentations right. It's important that you know, you're doing a pitch in a corporate, the setting to a potential 20 billion pound contract, I don't know, or even a 20,000 pound contract, then you want to get that pitch as smooth as possible. But again, it comes back to, I would say bullet point, knowing the key elements, coming to purpose, right? we're here mm -hmm. to talk about you know, not perfect, but purposeful. Because when you have a, a higher purpose, a clear purpose, then you can all, you have a, an anchor that you can come back to. And if you forget something, you can always put it in later. You can always say, actually, I was going to talk about this before, but got, we got really into that topic. This relates to that and it's come up here now. Or I'd just like to go back and say, da, da, da. There is no fear in that because again the people unless you're giving it away by your body language and by your voice going ah <laughs> the people <laughs> you're speaking to don't know mm. so have clarity have clarity of content and you'll have that clarity you'll have much better clarity of content if you're creating it with clarity of intent your intention is everything mm. That's wonderful. Yeah, I, I love that imagery there of the anchor. I think that's a wonderful thing to sort of take forward of having an anchor of what you're trying to say and, and coming back to it. And it is almost comforting. An anchor to me is comforting because it's something to rest on almost, isn't it? Mm. And um, on the wall in front of my desk, I have a top 10 speaking tips poster just as a sort of a daily reminder. I do a lot of not necessarily speaking, but a lot of client calls, obviously podcasts and things like that. And on there, it's one of the tips is focus on the message and not the means. And I build on that by saying exactly what you've just said there, but thinking about uh, whether what I'm saying is aligned with my purpose. And then in some way that will reside with the audience. You know, if just, even if just one member of the audience takes away something that is a key message from the purpose of what I'm saying, or it sparks something, then I consider that a win from my side, um, trying to, again, move away from that negativity bias and, and make it about the positive and very apt to what you've just said there as well. But I think that there's a reason that people are bad liars because it, it's not aligned with your truth, what you're saying. It's, you know, um, it's, you know, like when they say try and sell something that you don't believe in, I could never be in a position where I didn't believe in a company if I had to do a sales pitch because within my heart of hearts, I just wouldn't be able to put that out to other people. Yeah, but, and, and so yes, and this is one of my, one of my coaches, uh, all good coaches have coaches. It's, it's one of my coaches things. She's it's yes and as opposed to yes, but I've worked with, again, I've worked in a couple of asset management companies where you know, they are there selling their client's idea to investors. And they, and that question, exactly that question came up, but what if I don't believe in the product? Well, you then go to the people who created the product and say, what is it about this that drove you to create it? How does this positively benefit whoever it is? Now, depending on your own moral stance, there are some things that you just might turn down because you'll never do it because you don't believe in whatever it is. But going to find someone else's purpose, because things are always created with a purpose. Mm. And something that 
uh, who was it? Oh, it was Stuart, who I learned the sound healing from. It's, it's a controversial statement, but when you get to the depth of it, it's actually quite true. No one does or says anything to make their world worse. So, you know, you can take this, is, it's quite controversial. There is always a way that you can find, okay, how is, how is this to make life better? Now, for some companies that might be, well, because we're going to earn the investors at least 10 times what they invest. And if that's enough for you to then go, okay, well, this is the positive, mm-hmm. great. And if it's not, then you, know, you might not be in the right business. But that's, that's how we can take that and, and allow it to, to find a truth. That's, mm-hmm. that's the key is you're completely right. Your voice will, your voice will belie you if you don't believe in what you're saying. So it's finding a truth. Like being a conduit of someone else's purpose. No, mm-hmm. I think that that makes sort of sense. And I, I don't necessarily think what you just said is a, is a controversial statement. I think ultimately, deep down, if everyone looks within themselves, everyone is out for themselves, really, realistically. And I think that that does come from, from tribe mindset. But you're always going to do things that are in your own favor. Um, we're saying about sort of yes culture. Okay, you would say yes to your boss. You might not want to do that and things like that, but you are protecting yourself in some other way, trying to please your boss so that you don't get yeah. fired. And that's sort of the the modern day take on it. But ultimately, you know, when it comes really down to it, I think we are all out for ourselves and anyone else is not saying that is kind of kidding themselves. And there are more selfless people than others in terms of, you know, doing charitable yeah. work and helping other people. But I think still ultimately deep down, we are all programmed for our own survival. I think to that's, deny that is, is not right. Yeah. That's our ego's job. Our ego's mm. job is to keep me safe. And this is where we have reactionary. So when people are saying things as a reaction, um, we have a, a very, you know, this is, being recorded just after the Euros and we've had a, a horrible mm-hmm. outburst. Um, I mean, you know, people who miss penalties are always then derided the next day. And unfortunately this time it's got the other level of, of racist on, uh, connotations on top of it. But even, you know, ask Stuart Pierce, ask Gareth Southgate, right? They were derided for missing penalties because that is a reaction of people's pain. Mm-hmm. And that's reactive expression. And this is where self-awareness comes in. We come back full circle to, you know, what's the number one thing you can do? It's to have self-awareness. It's like, where, are, where is this coming from? Because that's, you know, that kind of language, any kind of hate language is, is not for the good of all. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it relieves that individual's pain, frustration, anger, whatever, very briefly and very immediately it's the Mm. same as um kicking a stone when you're frustrated and angry and you you kick something and then of course you create more pain for yourself (laughs) it's so it is that self-awareness of Mm. what uh, what is my intention here and you know is my intention to care to share to positively impact to inspire or is it to to transfer my pain onto someone else Mm, yeah definitely no I I completely agree there's definitely truth in the fact I think again sort of there's studies about swearing and how it has pain relief and things like that because it's all sort of in our head you're letting off steam quite quite literally and um to to link back to the the football the Euros there I'm not a massive football fan myself but I did watch the game and something you were saying earlier as well which is obviously not really related to public speaking when we were talking about the the pressure with one of the strikers that had to take the penalty he was like what 17 18 something like that like the insurmountable pressure on that individual and I said that to, to Rob, be my partner. Perfect. yeah at the time like all eyes on you and it, it was you know the final I just can't even I, he must need some kind of counseling after that surely because the, and it's not right that he's being rinsed for that and that people aren't happy because I just think they should put themselves in in those shoes and say, could I do that? Because I probably couldn't. I would probably run off the pitch crying because that is just. (laughs) And and there is the pressure to be perfect. Mm. And it's actually allowing ourselves to not have to be perfect. 
in no matter where we are in life or what we're doing, especially when you are wanting to express yourself, actually being connected to the passion behind your purpose is more important than being perfect. Mm -hmm. Because if you're speaking from your passion, from your purpose, from your deepest truth connected to your higher purpose, then it will meet somewhere in your heart. And that is the space of I care, I share. And energetically, vocally, that resonance, because our voice is physical sound waves, that resonance resonates as truth in the listener's ears. And that is always more compelling. So that's why sometimes admitting, I don't know. Someone, there's a Q&A after you've delivered a talk and someone asks a question that you don't know the answer to. I don't know. That's never come up before. Mm. Wow, but it's a brilliant question. Let me have a think about it. I've done mm. this a lot. You know, I go, I don't know. I've never thought about it. Let me have a think about it. Well, off the top of my head, what I'm going to say is it feels to me like, and all of this gives me time to feel and think into it, X, Y, Z. And then that is agreed and accepted. So you know, allowing yourself to not be perfect, to not have to know everything, mm. but to come from passion and purpose is so much more powerful. Great advice. I love that. I constantly find myself on calls saying sort of, you know what, I actually don't know. Let me take that away and, and investigate and come back to you with a proper answer. And because I, I get that. So I'm a, a line manager to a couple of our project executives who are all sort of keen to, you know, make it up the ladder, which is great and progress. But one big barrier is sort of the confidence of leading calls and things like that. And it always comes up, you know, what if I don't know the answer? And I'm like, well, that's fine. Like, how can someone possibly expect you to know every single thing? Like, yes, you need to know the core basics of the job, but there's always going to be things that come up where you go, do you know what? Never tried that. So I'm not going to give you a, a bullshit answer now. I'm actually going to go yeah. away, find find the answer and I'll come back to you properly next week. And I'll take that as my action point. I say that a lot as well. I'll take that <laughs> as my action and come back to you. <laughs> but as long as you then go and do the action, as long as you follow yeah. up, I did door-to-door sales for a while when I was living in Australia and backpacking and people, you know, hate door-to-door sales people. And they'd be like, oh, you're just doing this to get money. I was like, yes, if you sign up, I get $12. So if you're not interested, please tell me now and I'll move. Oh, is that all? Oh my God. Oh, right. But because I've been honest with them about that and they heard Mm -hmm. the truth. So sometimes letting go of the the need to whatever it is, the need to influence, the need to have a positive impact. I'm just saying, here's what it is. Um, Do you want to hear more or would you rather that I go away? Mm. And whether that's a personal relationship or in your work space, um, you know, it really works. Love that. Great advice. Gosh, door-to-door sales, that must have been so tough. You must face a lot of rejection through that, I imagine. Yeah. It was only for a few weeks. I then carried on traveling. <laughs> I was good though. They were like, oh, we want to make you a team leader. I was like, okay. no, I'm going to carry on traveling. <laughs> Character building, I'm sure. Yeah. And um, building again on sort of the perp- um, finding your, your inner purpose, what we've just been talking about there, something I've realized in myself recently is sort of my true purpose, which is ultimately to try and help people make things better channeled through you know many different outlets of course this this podcast being one and as we've seen in this discussion and also from reading your site you're very much an advocate of this and the fact that your mindset does affect your voice um and there is another lovely quote as well that I've taken that until you know what you want you will stay where you are is there kind of any insight that you can give about how to best find what you want so that what you're you're speaking about is more a sort of stable platform? Buy my book, Stop Shooting, Start Wanting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's, it's Stop Shooting. So again, we come back to the people-pleasing, perfectionism. I should be like this. I should be like that. It's like, well, what do you want? What do you want from this situation? What do you want as a result of delivering this presentation? What do you want as a result of delivering this speech? What is it, what what impact do you want it to have? Because again, this helps you get, I said it before, clarity of intention creates clarity of content, creates clarity of thought, which creates clarity of words. 
So if we start with that intention, what do I want? What do I want from this? What is its, what is its purpose? Mm. And if you're doing something because you feel you should, it will come with that energy. So if you can change that should to a want, I had a perfect example with a client yesterday, had told some friends that she uh, or neighbors that she would go around for drinks and see the new garden or whatever it is, but had done a whole weekend of volunteering and was exhausted. I said, so you're shooting it right now. So I'm completely shooting it. And I said, so do you want to go? Said, I'm exhausted. So, but if I don't go, I'll let them down. I said, so what do you want more? You know, what could you, what boundaries could you set that changes the energy? So if you're doing something because you feel you should, oh, I should give this presentation. I should, um, I should participate more in team meetings. I get that a lot with my clients. Uh, at the moment, I've, I've got a female client who is the only woman in a all male team. And she's also 20 years younger than the next of them. So she's got a whole load of perfectionist stuff going on, anxiety, worries, concerns, um, imposter syndrome, the whole, the whole kit. The whole works. <laughs> and it's like, so she's like, oh, I've been told I have to participate more in team meetings. I'm like, okay, well, that's your shooting. That's feeling unobliged. So what will it give you if you do participate more? Well, I'll be acknowledged more. And I said, and if you don't participate more, what will happen? Well, I'll probably be passed over for promotions. I said, what do you want? Well, I want to be heard because I've got important ideas and I want this. So it's coming back to, okay, what do you want? Well, I want ultimately promotion. I want to be there in my job. So this is the first step. What's the first step to that? Participating more in meetings. Okay. Now that I know what I want, that suddenly becomes a higher purpose mm -hmm. than the purpose of participating because my manager told me I had to. So that's how you can come and find what you want is by, you know, maybe taking it out a bit and finding what's the end result of. Love that. And definitely, I completely see that. I think I need to start saying, I say should a lot. So I think just turning it into one is, is just a clever trick of the mind for sure. And, and it's nice to do fun things that you want to do rather than should do for sure. Yeah. makes life brighter instantly <laughs> we, we come back to changing perspective again yeah absolutely absolutely well um as we heard in the intro your your resume is extensive so speaking coach vocal confidence coach those of course are, are fairly self-explanatory of course there's a lot of detail and work that goes behind those but if you were saying that to an individual they'd probably get what what you were talking about and what your role would be but can you tell me and the listeners more about the kind of sound healing element that you do Yes, so very briefly, your voice is vibration. It is made by air passing through your vocal cords or vocal folds, as they are technically known, and them vibrating and creating sound waves, which are vibration, and which then get transformed through the listener's body. So it's your whole body is receiving this, unless you have earpods in, in which case it is specifically through your ears. And then those airwaves vibrate the tiny bones and hairs around your ears, which magically through electrical messages get transformed into your brain into words. And so your voice is vibration. And if we look at quantum physics, we can actually say everything is vibration. Everything has a vibrational rate. Now, things like tables and chairs, thankfully, have really, really slow vibrational rates, so they appear solid. But we also have the energetic vibrational energy of things like emotions and experiences. So voice vibration sound healing, which is specifically what I do, you, you might have heard of gong baths or crystal bowls or didgeridoo and drumming, that all works. So all that kind of sound healing all works through the vibrations traveling through your body. And when they match the energetic resonance of either the physical tension in your body, so it makes it the, the sound waves meet a, a physical barrier where your muscles are really tight, which might be caused either physically or emotionally because of the emotional stuff. So when those sound waves match the energetic emotional vibration of the stuff you're holding on to, 
then it can help you recognize the emotions, the tension, and also release it. So much like uh, an opera singer will maybe have the ability to match the resonant frequency or hertz of a crystal glass. And then when you match that resonant frequency, you get entrainment. So the glass will start vibrating because you've hit the right note, the right frequency. And then if you hold that pitch, the vibration then becomes too much for the glass to hold its solid form and then it will shatter. So it's like that with your emotions and feeling your physical and energetic and emotional resistance to, again, everything in your past that you have ever experienced, witnessed or imagined. So that's all held energetically, emotionally in your body and the sound waves help you recognize and release that. That is about as concise as I can get it. <laughs> uh, wow. I mean, I was probably sitting in that like with an open mouth because I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting a physics lesson, but um, amazing because I think when you say sort of sound healing and on that kind of more spiritual level, people probably go, oh, you know, that's that's belief rather than fact. But the way that you explain that is is insane, like it, with the linking of the physics and things like that. And all of that makes amazing sense. I've definitely learned something about sound vibration, physics and everything there. So thanks so much for sharing. It's it's physical, it's mental, it's emotional, it's energetic. And you know, it can be spiritual too. If, mm. if people are, I am spiritually inclined, but some of my clients aren't, but they still have the sound healing to help them feel physically in their body where the blocks and barriers are happening and to, to sound through. Sound is nature's pain release. Mm -hmm. right, so sound healing every single person listening to this podcast yes you and you you are a sound healer because what do you do when you stub your toe or get a paper cut scream you scream you go ah, ah. well you might swear a lot i swear a lot um, right, but you release the pain through sound and so sound is nature's pain release um so it's it's physical energetic emotional and it can be spiritual too there is a there is a decidedly woo element to my work which is all about higher self and the energy of the whole universe and being in line with your higher purpose and the whole of who you are amazing amazing all tied together beautiful and um yeah I, I loved I just have to say one more thing from your website it really really made me laugh and I, I think I'll direct the listeners to to have a look at it because it, again, it, it is sort of related to the podcast, it, whilst I find it very funny as well, about sort of setting expectation because you put, here's a heads up, I'm spiritual. If you're not, don't worry. Many of my clients don't do woo. You're in good company. And then you put, I'm not going to force crystals down your throat. That's a choking hazard and detrimental to using your voice. It just, I was just... Because the rest of your website is, you know, very quite serious and formal, but also fun. And then I just came across that podcast, um, that paragraph, and I just couldn't help myself literally laughing out loud. So thanks for including that. <laughs> well, and also, it's hard on a website to to you know, give a whole sense of who you are. And you know, I do a lot of stuff. I work in corporates. I have, you know, that side of me. But I'm, but I'm also one of the things that comes through from a lot of my clients that surprised me when I went back and looked at testimonials is the amount of times that humor just like oh Judith makes it fun and it makes it funny and I was just like oh and when I was writing that because I needed to to quantify you know yes I'm spiritual but you don't have to be and just the yeah, the choking hazard line just came out and I was just <laughs> like yeah that's me that that encapsulates yeah who I am absolutely well it's personality that that sells your services I'm sure you've got an amazing personality so it definitely comes through in that paragraph and just to kind of finish up the the formal section so we've talked a lot about um using your your own voice but what about when the shoe is on the other foot how can we better receive someone else's voice or you know listening to someone how can we best support their voice their speech etc so active listening is is key so when you are a part of an audience whether that is live or online by you know by just the things that you will be doing naturally anyway if you if you do agree or especially if you know someone and you're wanting to support them look at them look up smile nod um Occasionally, you know, you want to write something down and be like, oh, yes, I'm writing that down because the person will notice. 
and it's again energetically it's about being fully present so even if you're not agreeing with them even if you are not agreeing with what they're saying you're still doing them if you're wanting to support them you're doing them a favor by being fully present and actually hearing what they're saying mm -hmm. because even if you are questioning what they're saying you'll have a automatically you'll have a thinking face on mm -hmm. so it's it's being present and then afterwards if you if you, if you know the person and you want to you know help them feel more confident and just say i that point that you made about x y or z even if you didn't agree with it, it's like, that was interesting. It's not something I'd heard. I'm not sure whether I agree or not. Where did you get the information from that? Or because it helps people know. And if there's a Q&A element, write down a couple of questions while they're talking and ask questions. That's actually probably in any situation where there's a Q&A element at the end, mm. the best thing you can do is ask a question or share something that inspired you or that stood out to you because then that person will go oh people were actually listening mm -hmm. so yeah if there's ever a Q&A that's one of the best things you can do is actually just get over your vocal confidence challenges uh, <laughs> because there are no stupid questions and and ask that question raise your hand and ask a question I love that thanks so much for sharing and I think um, being sort of a, a very strongly opinionated person myself, there's, you know, some events where I go and I, I, or, you know, watching any kind of speaker, I am like, hmm, I don't necessarily agree with that, but that doesn't make me switch off. I almost take the mindset of actually, can this person bring me around to that way of thinking? Because it is impossible to know everything in the world. And actually they might have some amazing fact or insight that, you know, actually might push my beliefs kind of out of the water. So I think that's always a, I, maybe a bit of an argumentative way of looking at it, but sort of prove me wrong kind of thing. Yeah. Or if you just don't agree with them, there's someone who seems to have changed tack now, but used to be one of the more successful public speaking coaches in this country. Um, although mostly they were doing speaking to sell, which is a different skill. Um, and that person, I completely, so much of what they said, I completely disagreed with. And I sat there just going, nope, nope, oh my God, no, no. But, you know, I, even that was a positive because that just gave me more conviction and belief in my approach and the way that I do it. And go, okay, I, it made me go, I need to put myself out there more because people need to be hearing that there is another way mm. than this way. So sometimes even if you're completely disagreeing with someone, there might be a, a positive for you to take from that. Love that. Yeah, really good perspective. And that looping back to something you, you mentioned there as well. Um, I think as a society, we just need to work on being more present in the moment. Like when you talked about the, the person at the back of the room earlier that was on their phone, I really felt for you because that's like just my pet hate. Because whilst it's like you say, it's really important not to focus on them, but the least you can give someone is your attention and, and not be distracted. But it's very, very difficult in this this modern age. It is. And also as the speaker, remember, you don't know what that person is doing. Mm. You don't know if they're tweeting, oh, my God, listening to the speaker and they're amazing. True. You don't know if they are a doctor on call and checking their messages. You don't know if they've got a three month old and uh, who is ill and they're checking in to make sure, you know, or if someone's yawning in your presentation or your speech. You don't know if they were up working a a night shift in a warehouse all night and they're exhausted but they still wanted to come and see you speak mm, like just true. because people are doing these things we again we put our fear response onto them rather than giving them the benefit of the doubt or just ignoring them and going okay well maybe i'm not for them mm. and actually um on that day he actually came up to me afterwards you know i'm so sorry i know i was on my phone the whole time uh, we're in the last bits of signing a contract for moving house and I've just got and, and, and. so again you know he had a really valid reason for being mm. on his phone um, mm. but luckily because I was practicing what I preach I wasn't taking it personally well I can definitely relate to him that that is the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life move house so I completely get it and I think yeah it just links us back to the start um you know don't judge other people especially if you're not expecting to be judged yourself everyone's experiencing their own kind of reality and you have no idea what's going on with that person so I really like that thank you for sharing and just to tie off the episode then so 
Um, speaking about purpose, we've talked about that a lot this episode. Judith, do you feel that you found your true purpose in life? Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky. I'm someone who has, I've always followed my passion and my purpose. So uh, my purpose to perform as an actor, I've, I followed that. I didn't let everyone's ooh, difficult profession uh, put me off. I, I completely followed that. And then finding this work and helping other people find their voices it is the single most rewarding thing I could possibly imagine. It's yeah, 100% aligned to my higher purpose and still enables me to be on stage and perform. And the sounding lets my voice float and go places. So I, I'm 100% on purpose. Love that. I was totally expecting that answer, but I wanted to ask just in case. <laughs> And then, so linking us back to the overall theme of perfection, is there kind of a, a most perfect thing you've done or experienced um, in your life that you wanted to share? The most perfect, I, I, I trusting my strong intuitions always end up in perfect results. So sometimes that's involved saying no and putting me in a lot of financial tension <laughs> and sometimes it's involved saying yes so possibly the the single most perfect moment I can think of is in 2011 when I saw I wasn't on Facebook much back then and I'd missed a Facebook invite to an event and it was from a woman who I'd met in LA when I was on an acting course out there and she and I did not get on and she was running this meditation trip to Egypt, which I have never wanted to go to. And in fact, my mum used to bore a census about Egypt. So he's like, oh God, Egypt again. Um, so I didn't like her. I never wanted to go to Egypt and I had no money. And I sussed it out, but I just, I just felt drawn to it, felt drawn to it. Sussed out, it was gonna cost about 4,000 pounds. I was like, I don't have that. I didn't have 40 pounds in my bank account, but I did have a credit card. And I just trusted my intuition and I knew I needed to go. And that was actually where I started doing, doing the sound healing. I'd, I'd done the courses, but I hadn't really been sharing it with anyone. And that was where so many things clicked into place. So following that intuition against all my fears and against all my things aren't perfect because of so many reasons, so the most perfect thing I probably have done was the thing that felt the most imperfect. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that's wrapped up both that. I was about to say, what's the most imperfect thing, but you've answered that, that beautifully. And yeah, what a wonderful illustration of sort of, you know, overcoming the, the fear of that moment and, and pushing on, as you say, following your intuition. And it's, oh, it's led to an amazing career. You are, you are such an inspiration. It's, it's been wonderful to have you. So thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. And if um, people have enjoyed this episode, Judith, and want to get in touch or, or find out more, where can they sort of find you and get in touch? Everything is at your whole voice and the whole is with a W. So as in whole world, whole self, not whole as in something missing. Um, so your whole voice dot uh, com is the website and um, Facebook and Instagram pages are your whole voice. And if you want to find me on LinkedIn, it's Judith Quinn Vocal Confidence there's a whole ton of free stuff there's a youtube channel out there with videos there's yeah there's there's all sorts of ways to find me and really if in doubt just reach out drop me an email or click and book a book a clarity call you can find that on my website so just reach out to me and come and play and find your voice come on the workshop or a retreat or work with me one-on-one -on -one. Love that. Thanks so much for sharing. And yeah, I was um, I was sort of looking at your events tab and you've got some amazing events coming up and such a, a range of online and in person. Your retreat looks particularly amazing. So, yeah, I, I do encourage everyone to check that out. Yeah. And, and if you want something simple, then buy the book. Literally, if you want somewhere to start, stop shoulding, start wanting. It's it's practical book. It's got exercises for you to take yourself through and start changing that mindset it's on Kindle as well as paperback. 
So it's, you know, if you want a, a no brainer, not much money way of going, well, I want to find out a little bit more about this woman, but I don't really want to reach out to her yet. Then, um, then you can do that or one of the online sound healing courses. So. Love that. Yeah. I, I knew you were an author. I didn't know the, the title of the book though, but absolutely. I'll be completely checking that out and, and filling that in. That sounds like a great read. It's uh, I've been told it's transformed lives. So amazing. So modest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much again, Judith. It's, it's been an amazing episode. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening, fellow imperfectionist. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope it has inspired you to get closer to your true purpose in life. If you have a question, thoughts on this episode or suggestions of topics or even future guests, I would love to hear from you. Visit pickingupperfection.com slash participate. You can also follow me on my socials, Instagram, LinkedIn, and even contact me via email. Links for all of this are in the show notes. See you next time.